0: Almighty God, you are the one who is infinite, eternal, and free. You are glorious in your holiness. You are full of love and compassion. You are just in all your ways. You are abundant in grace and truth. And no one is is like that. No one is uh, pure and complete in those ways as you are. And we see only reflections of it in in this world that you have created, But never the completeness, which is all yours, And so we give you the praise, and along with all your works, your creation, we praise you and we give glory to you, and we praise you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray that by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, you would bless us and that we would hear your word and receive the food you serve. And we thank you, O Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our first hymn is number 363, We Gather Together. Amen. The Lord be gracious to us. Heal us, O Lord, for we have sinned against you. Let us pray together the prayer in the bulletin. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer us, for we are poor and needy. Preserve us, O God, and deliver us, for we trust in you. Be gracious to us, O Lord, for to you we cry all the day. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to our prayer. Listen to our plea for grace. For you are great, and you have done wondrous things in our Lord Jesus Christ, overthrowing the powers of sin, death, and the devil through the death and resurrection of your Son. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, and be gracious to us, forgiving all our sins for Christ's sake. Teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Unite our hearts by the grace of your Holy Spirit to fear your name, for we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I declare to you that you are forgiven of all your sins. May the God of mercy, who in Jesus Christ forgives you your sins, strengthen you in goodness and grant you the power of the Holy Spirit to serve him and to live for him. The good news of the gospel is that all those who have faith in Jesus Christ and do repent of their sin are truly forgiven by this merciful God. And we say together, praise be to God. Christian people, the apostolic instruction exhortation to the church is abstain from sexual immorality. And homosexuality is counted in the Bible as sexual immorality. There are those, and unfortunately, some in the church, and I just mean that broadly, the church, who would try to argue that homosexuality is not condemned in Scripture, but it is included among those sins that are uh, distortions and corruptions of what God, of the gift of sex that God has given us. We must be compassionate to those who are caught up in non-heterosexual relationships. Everyone's sexuality has been corrupted by sin, and therefore we must all exercise self-control and cultivate sexual behavior according to God's moral order for us. So this isn't just a problem for some people. I mean, they might have a particular attraction that's a different problem. But we all struggle with, with um, the, the temptations and the corruptions of our sexual desire. We must also pray for courage in our society today so that we can bear witness to right sexual morality. And it does take courage, as you know. Often Christians claim that our moral convictions arise from faith, and then we just leave it at that. And this sounds like it's merely a matter of personal belief, like this is what I believe, and this is how I live but you believe differently, you live the way you want to live. And that is really a, uh, mis- Is not what, what we are taught and not what the gospel teaches us. The result of that is that our faith sounds like it's something detached from any kind of a reasonable faithful argument that is just a personal subjective um, experience. Christian ethics are not simply commands to be obeyed, They also line up with how God has created us in this world. We abstain from celebrating homosexual behavior because the Christian tradition holds sexual morality in high regard. Whether someone is a Christian or not, the sexual act itself is moral in nature. It's not just a a form of pleasure um, that can be um, practiced, but it's actually moral in its nature, very nature, and it has moral consequences that extend beyond the two persons engaged in intercourse. Male and female bodies bear witness to a design that determines the body's proper use. And furthermore, it is only heterosexual unions that pass on to society children and allow that society to flourish. Let us bear witness to God's good moral order, the good that he gives to us and to society through heterosexual relations, and not just Um, and and not act like it's just simply our own personal decision about how we want to live as Christians. Let us bear witness to that greater truth of God and how he's created us and how he blesses this world. For this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ, and we say, Amen. Our hymn is number 97, We Praise You, O God, Our Redeemer, Creator. It's 607. Oh, okay. Sorry. We're following you. Yes. Thy loving kindness, Lord, is good and free. 607. Thank you. That in them dwell, salvation to his people God will give, and they that love his name with him shall live. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, it was your plan before the foundation of the world to reconcile us to yourself through Jesus Christ. You created us, and you created us to be made complete in him. That He would be the one through whom all things are created and the goal of your creation. We thank you that we are included in this reconciliation in Jesus Christ. We, who once were of a hostile mind toward you, who did not obey you, doing wicked things, but now we love you and want to please you, and that is because you have changed our hearts. Being your beloved children in Christ, hear our prayers. O Lord, as you have defeated the rebellious powers, dominions, rulers, and authorities of this world in Christ, we pray you would stop those who enslave people for their own purposes and those who terrorize others. We wait, await eagerly the day when all shall bow their knee to Christ. And we pray for the end of oppression. We pray for the end of the war and chaos in places like Ukraine and on the border with Mexico, in Afghanistan, North North Korea, Syria, and even in our cities. Hear our prayers, O oh Lord, for peace and for the uh, testimony to your great work of reconciling us in Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers. Our Savior, keep us and your entire church in the faith of salvation, that saving faith, even as it is tested, the faith that Christ is Lord and Savior, and that in him you reconcile us. And by him alone, we are presented to you as holy, blameless, and beyond accusation. We do pray for Christians under tremendous pressure by Islamic powers in Iraq, Iran, Sudan, Eritrea, Pakistan, Somalia, Nigeria. We pray for Christians in China and North Korea who must live as people under hostile governments. We pray for Christians in Central America and other places who are enticed to blend their faith with pagan beliefs. We pray for the Christians in these places and the, the uh, citizens there who are not Christians. We pray that the Christians would bear faithful witness to Christ and many would come to him. We pray for Christians in the United States who have this self-centered gospel, this me-centered gospel, and are tempted to accommodate the Christian faith to the culture. By your grace, may they confess the faith the true faith and remain steadfast in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the apostolic teaching. Here are our prayers for the Christians in these harsh areas, but also our prayers for our missionaries, the Fultas and the McCabes who serve in China. With groaning that cannot be put into words, we look forward to the restoration of your creation. And sometimes that seems farther off than at other times, but we stand on your promises that you have given, such as in Romans 8. Give us wisdom in how to use the resources of this earth and to live as if this creation is under the work of your restoration. Here are our prayers. For our mothers, we give you thanks. For those who have acted as mothers to us or our actual biological mothers, for these, we give you thanks. For your love and kindness that is expressed to us through them, often not perfectly, and yet some measure has been given. And we thank you for that, for the wisdom and faithfulness that they have shown us. Grant to those who continue in this noble calling rest and trust in your merciful care in Jesus Christ, and to be, uh, to rejoice in a wonderful blessing that has been given to them. Merciful Father, as those who depend upon Your strength and grace, we thank You for how You have upheld this congregation, how You've drawn us closer together, and we ask You to continue to strengthen and heal Your people here. Especially now, we pray for those who are in need, and our prayers go up to You for the wellness of body and soul of Jeff and for Linda and for Fawn and Bob, for Eduardo and Shirley, for Frida and Luca and Julie and Michael, and for our friends Becky and for Angie and Karen, for Tammy and her family, for Phil and Tom, Bob, Gladys, Dominique, and for others we name to you in silence. We pray for the prisoners at the Oakland County Jail, for Thomas and Mickey Shoemaker and the others who came to the services Friday night. We pray that they would understand how they need to belong to a Christian community, to not just confess the name of Christ, but to join with his people in professing their faith and living for him. So we pray you would bless them, and that as they leave the jail, they would not fall back into ways that are destructive and um, and are wrong. Um, We pray that you would bless them, O Lord, and that the word that was discussed and taught there and preached would settle into their hearts. We also pray for grace and peace in our presbytery, and especially for Grace Fellowship Church with their pastor, Michael Scout. For Harvest Church and their pastor, Dale Van Dyke, and for Living Hope Mission Work and their pastor, John Terrell. For your mercies to to those whom we have named, for strength when we are weak, for peace when we are anxious, for faith made sure when we are confused, and for loving us with unending faithfulness in Christ, we praise you, O Holy Father, with the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
1: Please be seated. And join me in praying for illumination on our reading this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, that it is not from the imaginations of men, but that it is truly your word uh, given to us, and we know that in this Bible are uh, the words of eternal life. We also know that we cannot by our own ingenuity understand what you have to say to us, and that it is not to our own genius or by our own genius that we will um, reach saving faith. And so we ask that you would send your spirit to open our ears right now, give us ears to hear, and give us minds to understand, and give us hearts that are good soil for your words to take hold and to live in us. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Our Psalter response comes from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Your saving power among all nations. Let all the peoples praise you. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let Let all the peoples praise you. God, our God, shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Our epistle reading this morning is from Romans chapter 12. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Finally, our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, which is the end of that gospel. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The word of the Lord.
0: Psalm 67 draws on the priestly blessing of God's people in Numbers. God delivered the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from captivity in Egypt. God had blessed them. Even in slavery, God had blessed them, and they had become this multitude of people. With God at the lead, they went forward out of Egypt into the wilderness, and God made a covenant with them. It was a full covenant, but in essence... With that covenant, God forged a bond with Israel, saying, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. That's sort of at the essence of what was happening with that covenant. God's blessing for Israel included a priesthood. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, you shall say to them, and then this, these lines that you've heard many times, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. It's from Numbers 6. This blessing is called the Aaronic, Aaronic blessing, not ironic, but Aaronic, because Aaron was the first priest to pronounce it. The congregation of Israel would stand before the priests, and one of the priests would pronounce the Lord's blessing upon the people, and that started with Aaron, and it continued with the priests. And the church often uses it for the benediction at the end of worship. That will be the blessing today, at the end of worship. And I've spoken this blessing over you many, many times. Psalm 67 begins by blending two of the lines from that priestly blessing together. Verse 1 of Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. In the psalm, it becomes a prayer to God. May God be gracious to us. It's a petition based on the blessing that God gave the priest to speak over the people. The psalm turns the blessing around for the congregation to say to God, The Lord bless you and be gracious to you. That's what uh, the priestly blessing says in number 6. The Lord be, bless you and be gracious to you. Becomes in Psalm 67, May God be gracious to us. The psalm, then, is a response to God's blessing. May we be what you have blessed us to be, is what it's saying. And that begs the question, what did God bless his people to be? The same question easily transfers to us. We've been tremendously blessed by God. The the benediction, the blessing is pronounced on us at the end of worship. But it does beg this question, what does God bless us to be? Now, Psalm 67 directs Israel's priestly blessing to the nations. Verses 1 and 2 says, "...May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us." Those are lines taken from um, the priestly blessing in number 6. And then it says, "...that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you." God's blessing was for the blessing of the nations. Now, if we go back to the story of Israel, we hear that this is exactly what God promised Abraham. God called Abraham to go into the land of Canaan, and God made this promise to him. You heard it in our Old Testament lesson. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I uh, recently wrote an article. It's going to, I think... If, I, I think they're accepting it. Um, they asked me to do it, so they should accept it. But anyway, uh, for New Horizons, it's on stewardship, and, and I reread it, and my wife kindly told me that I should reread it. And um, I noticed the problem is that I used the word uh, uh, narration, uh, Narrative over and over and over again in it. And I I never could figure out a synonym for the way I was using the word narrative. And that's what we have here. We have this word blessing over and over and over again. Do you hear hear it just coming up over and over? Listen to it again. I'll make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and he who dishonors you will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessing, 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 blessing. God called Abraham, and he blessed Abraham to be a blessing for the nations. Abraham was the father of Israel, and Israel was created by God for that blessing that he gave to Abraham. Now, Israel was to be a blessing to the nations when God settled them in the promised land, and they were to be a blessing to the nations when they were exiled from the land for sinning against God. That was God's purpose for them. And their sin did not stop God's purpose. Isaiah reiterated that blessing for the nations. This comes from the end of Isaiah, one of the chapters at the end of Isaiah. But Isaiah speaks of the Lord's tenderness to gather his people to himself. He who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob or Israel back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. And that's what the prophet says. And then the Lord says, is, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Even though they had sinned against God, come under his judgment, gone into exile, God was saying he was going to bring them back, and that they uh, would be a light for the nations. Although Israel broke its covenant with God, the priestly blessing continued because of God's faithfulness. Now, in due time, Jesus was born, and he pronounced the blessing of God upon his disciples, but it was also a blessing for the nations. In our Gospel lesson, the end of Luke, is the story of Jesus' ascension into heaven. You might know that next Sunday is Ascension Sunday. It actually, I think, falls on... Thursday, but um, typically in Protestant churches, if they recognize Jesus' ascension at all, it's recognized on that Sunday. It's called Ascension Sunday. But we get a preview of it with our reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus leads his disciples out of Jerusalem, and then he stopped and raised his hands, and Luke says he blessed them. And this is like what Aaron did after the offerings were made in the uh, old sacrificial worship of of Israel. Leviticus chapter 9 says, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And it's also similar to what Solomon did at the dedication of the temple. 1 Kings chapter 8 says, Solomon stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. And Solomon prayed, and in his prayer he referred to the nations. The king spoke of the Lord's blessing for the nations, and this is what he said. Likewise, when a foreigner, someone who's not a Jew, not from Israel, when a foreigner who's not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your namesake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as your people Israel. And there's a blessing there that Solomon is praying for the nations. Jesus blessed his disciples, but he didn't bless them for their own sake. He blessed them uh, for their sake alone. He blessed them for a to be a blessing for the nations. Luke's ascension story continues in the book of Acts. Luke and Acts were originally um, like one sort of book in two parts. Luke and Acts go together, both written by Luke. And so Luke ends, the gospel of Luke ends with the story of Jesus' ascension, and Acts chapter 1 begins with Jesus' ascension and what Jesus was teaching his disciples before he ascended. At the beginning of Acts, before Jesus ascends, he promises the power of the Holy Spirit for his disciples to be his witnesses. And he says, Witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So, if you put Luke's ascension of Jesus stories together, even though today they've been divided by the Gospel of John, you put them together, you get the disciples being blessed and sent out to the nations. Jesus blesses them not only for themselves, but also for the sake of the nations. So Psalm 67 sets out for us that priestly blessing that runs from the blessing to Abraham to Israel in number 6 and on to Jesus Christ for us and for the nations. However, it is possible to turn God's blessing away from the nations. And Israel did this. Israel was delighted to receive God's blessing for them, but it pushed the nations away The Israelites became isolationists, or at least they attempted to keep God's blessing for themselves. By the first century, a clear line had been drawn between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was a boundary marker, and it separated each group from the other. The Apostle Paul refers to it in his letters, like in Romans chapter 9, Speaking of his kinsmen, he says, They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. And as far as the Jews were concerned, everything that Paul mentioned were the very things that divided them from the nations around them. The people of Israel, this is how they saw it, the people of Israel were chosen by God, not the other nations. The people of Israel had witnessed the glory of God on Mount Sinai, not the other nations. They hadn't seen it. The Mosaic Covenant was made with Israel, not with the other nations. God gave the priesthood, the sacrifices, and he was present at the tabernacle and the temple with Israel. He did not give these things to the other nations, and he certainly was not present in their temples. The promises, like the promise to Abraham, was given to Israel's patriarchs and kings, not to the princes of the other nations. So with this kind of chauvinism, Israel avoided as much as possible interaction with the other nations. The apostle Paul stepped on this boundary all the time as he brought the gospel to the Gentiles. More than once he was attacked by the Jews, sometimes even by Jewish Christians, for crossing the line that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. And so, with this kind of of thinking, the blessing was turned away from the nations. There have been times when the church has also turned God's blessing away from the nations. And this often happens when a church aligns its power with the power of one particular nation. And that was common with the European nations in the 16th century. I had a professor in seminary who wrote a book called The Cross and the Sword, And in it, he recounts how the church in Spain sent its priests out with the soldiers and explorers in the Americas. The soldiers were conquering every civilization they encountered. Now, war is one thing, and the battle between civilizations is one thing. But at times, unprovoked, the conquistadors killed the local people and burned their villages. Sadly... The Spanish priests typically stood with the military power of Spain over and against the natives. With the cross and the sword linked in this way, God's blessing was turned away from other nations. The church is not blessed by God to be a curse for the nations. Psalm 67 is a prayer to let the nations praise you, O God. You are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And there are many ways we Christians may bless the nations. Historically, the church has been a blessing to the nations in specifically Christian ways. And that's what I'm talking about here, specifically Christian ways. And this often gets ignored by those who attack the church and only want to expose the sins of the church. Yes, the church has had its sins. It has done things that are wrong. It has had to repent. But it also has been a great blessing to the nations in specifically Christian ways. Churches have started schools. They've taught people to read and write. And this, in turn, helped them to read the Bible. Because of this, great books were written with Christian themes. And I'll give you an example. It was the Christian missionary way back, I don't remember when it was, wow, Um, probably 6th century AD. Cyril uh, gave the Russian people, he was a Christian missionary, he gave the Russian people an alphabet and the ability to write. When you have an alphabet, you can write down, you can put your words together and write them. And after that, you start to have Russian authors. Now, I'm talking over centuries, but you have Russian authors who wrote, uh, who wrote books with explicitly Christian themes. There were authors like Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Chekhov, Solzhenitsyn, and Nabokov, and all of these are more recent. But they have been those who have benefited from what Cyril did as a Christian teaching them how to read and write, and, and not just read and write, but to learn the Bible, to learn the, the great themes of the Bible. It's helped individuals, it's helped society learn what is good and beautiful and right. Also, over the centuries, the Christian church has blessed society in Christian ways with hospitals and agencies that care for the poor. Some of these became generic, so they've sort of lost their Christian identity. Their identity as a, Christ, as a Christian organization was in a name only But not all of them. A lot of them maintained, uh, retained that Christian identity, and they've blessed countless people in Christian ways. Today there are agencies such as Lutheran Social Services, Life Challenge, Christian Medical and Dental Associations, Catholic Hospitals of the Franciscan Alliance that specifically serve people in the name of Christ and try to maintain the, the good things that Christ has taught us about how people should care for each other. But how might you, as a Christian, be a blessing to the nation we live in, to this nation? Well, here are some ways that we may be a blessing. Perhaps the most obvious way is telling the gospel. That, that is, is just automatically going to come up. The gospel blesses the nation with the good news of God cleansing us from our sin and guilt and reconciling us to himself. People today may not use theological words like sin to talk about themselves, but they do talk about brokenness, remorse, failure. Society today does not have much of a theological language. So if we Christians use words like sin and trespasses and debtors, chances are people in our society will not understand what we mean. Theological language like justification by faith alone and Christ alone will not make sense to people in our nation. Therefore, it is better to tell the gospel, at least start telling the gospel, in story form. And Jesus did this many, many times with his parables, like the parable of the prodigal son. So here's what we can do with that. We can put it in contemporary form. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. The story of the prodigal son in contemporary form. A son turned against his father, who loved him, and did nothing but good for him. The father for the son. But the son cared nothing for his father and only wanted his father's money. He grabbed his cash from his father's hand and went off to live a self centered, decadent life. In time, he crashed. He found himself alone, abandoned by his friends, living on the street in urine-soaked clothes, feeling sick all the time. Confused about who he was and where he was, he decided to go back to his father and see if he could do some odd jobs for money and at least get some food to eat. Slowly, he picked himself up and trudged back to his father's property. Off in the distance, he could see his old home, but he saw something else. He saw his father running down the road with his arms outstretched. The son stood there with his head down, reeking, his head worrying with thoughts about all the ways he had harmed his father. But his father rushed up to him anyway and threw his arms around him in forgiveness and love. It's a powerful gospel story. And this is how God responds to us in Jesus Christ. We can tell it in a way that people today can hear it. And for those who hear it with interest, we can answer their questions and give them some theological explanation. The gospel story told so it can be heard is a blessing for people who are broken and the people in our nation are broken. In short, the gospel story is a blessing to people in our nation. Another way we can bless our nation in a specifically Christian way is responding to those who attack us, whether verbally or physically, with forgiveness. And at this moment in society, responding with forgiveness in the name of Christ is a definite blessing. People are turning on each other in vindictive and ruthless ways. We are becoming a society that rips into each other. There's a woman named Genevieve Wilson no relation, who sums it up well in an article that she wrote for Christianity Today, and this is what she says. Recently, she says, I read an article about a young woman whose three-second clip from high school came back years later to haunt her. In a video clip she sent to a friend celebrating her new license or new uh, ability to use uh, the Internet, she used a disgraceful, hurtful word. Genevieve Wilson says, I do not condone what she said, but I think it reveals something about her culture. Somehow, a young man at her school saw it, the clip, and thought he would save it to bring it out in the future and teach her a lesson. He held on to it for over four years, and then when he thought the time was right, he released it to the world. His plan of revenge worked perfectly. He ended up Uh, she ended up being removed from her new university. She had gone off to college. She was kicked out of the college and kicked off her cheer team. This man did not explain to her how harmful this was to him, nor ask her why she said what she said, even though they passed each other for years in these hallways of their school. He didn't ask if she was apologetic or regretted what she did, nor did he ask if she had sought forgiveness of the ones to whom she had originally sent the video, and apparently she had. He was determined to be the judge and the jury. This type of judge and jury attitude is prevalent in our cancel culture. If you don't toe a certain line or you've made mistakes in the past, be careful, because the cancel culture might be at your door next. It will make sure that you don't ever get a promotion, a job, or a spot on the team. It will find out your dirty laundry, expose it, and decide your punishment. There's no room for repentance or forgiveness. The plan is just to disgrace you. Branded forever by your past deeds to the cancel culture, you are unable to grow and change. By its standard, who you were in the past is who you are in the future. And therefore, under this assumption, there is no hope, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness, no one can ever change, there's no room for redemption, what a hopeless society. And that's where we're going. Now, responding with Christian forgiveness will be a blessing for a nation like that. Christian forgiveness sees the wrong that was done, but treats the attacker as someone who Christ can forgive. And one example of this is a story that's told by Corey Ten Boom, and you may well have heard it. My wife's sending. Coryton Boom's book out to everybody, so you've probably read it or seen it, heard it before, but it's a great story and it, it's a nice way to offset what's happening in our culture and how we can be a blessing to the nation. She worked against the Nazis in World War II, hiding Jews in her home. When she was caught, she was sent to a concentration camp where she was stripped of her dignity, saw her father and her sister Betsy die, and suffered more at the hands of other people than we could possibly imagine. This is precisely why her encounter with forgiveness, she tells a story of, of an encounter with, uh, that involved forgiveness, why this story is so mem- memorable. And this is how Cory Tinboom Boom tells the story. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower door in the processing center, at uh, Ravensbrook, He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothes, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming, and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who preached so often to the people in Blomendal, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I could not forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my sh- shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered... And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us, along with the command, the love itself. Your forgiveness is a blessing to the nation in which we live because it has forgotten what forgiveness is. This nation will be far better off with the forgiveness of God shared with it than its ruthless vindictiveness. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your salvation that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in your blessing and be a blessing to the nation's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand, and with me, let us confess our faith. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. (coughs) And ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn as we come to the Lord's table is number 447, Christ for the World, we sing. Feast of the people of God, men and women will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. All who have been baptized, who professed faith publicly in Jesus Christ and are communicant members or belong to a Christian church are welcome to come and share in this joyful feast of our Lord. According to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And the gospel tells us something wonderful there, that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. The Lord meets us and feeds us here at this table. And a wonderful thing happens with our faith as it is strengthened and set firmly on him. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Join with me now in giving thanks to God for our salvation and new life in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is indeed right in our great joy and privilege always and everywhere to give you thanks, Almighty and Eternal Father, and these days of the Easter season to celebrate with joyful hearts the memory of your wonderful works. For you have healed us, you've provided us with food and houses and work, but most of all, by the mystery of his passion, Jesus Christ, your risen Son, has conquered the powers of death and hell and restored in men and women the image of your glory. He has opened to us the gate of life eternal. And so in this joy, the joy of this paschal season, earth and heaven resound with gladness. And the whole host of heaven praises you with the powers of creation. And we join in their hymn uh, to your glory. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and the cup that we drink may be for us a communion in his body and blood. We proclaim with your church in heaven, victory to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And so, Heavenly Father, we remember this offering that Jesus made once and for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of your kingdom. And with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ your Son, our Lord. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, through Jesus Christ our Lord. With one voice we offer our thanksgiving, and we say together, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Jesus also took the cup, saying his cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Take and eat this bread and drink this cup and remember Christ's body and blood. Give it for you, receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take and eat and drink. Let us pray. Blessed God, in the abundance of your goodness, you always give us more than we dare, we desire, or dare to ask. Pour upon us, we pray, a spirit of thankfulness and increase in us that most blessed grace of charity that we may always be more willing to give than to receive. And so rule our hearts that all we have may be used for your service and we ourselves be consecrated to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Final hymn is number 384. Lord, dismiss us with your blessing. Blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you all now and forever. Amen.
1: Please be seated, and good morning to you all. And uh, a special good morning, of course, to all of our uh, those of you who have been blessed with the most challenging gift in the world—the gift of motherhood. Um, so, and uh, and really, thank you to all of you on Mother's Day for uh, assisting in the work of parenting my children. And uh, truly, really a church community does the uh, comes alongside of us. I'm very, very blessed by that. Um, as far as general announcements, um, first of all, the, uh, we will not have Christian education today. So those of you uh, who are uh, looking to spend time with your mothers or, uh, be, or, or your children um, have time to do that. So we will not have Christian education today. Uh, we will also not have Christian education next week because we are going to be having um, the first of a couple of uh, times that we get together and really have a a good um, conversation uh, about what we consider sort of the distinctives of Providence Church uh, with a view to um, giving uh, forming a a, a pastoral search committee and uh, having a sense of what sorts of things uh, we really um, are the bedrock of, of what we do here and what we love here. Uh, that we would want to find a leader who uh, was like-minded on those things. So we are really asking for everyone um, to be here, everyone of all ages to be here next week um, for the Christian education time and participate in that conversation. Um, So please be here for that. Uh, Pastor Wilson reported uh, he did uh, lead at the jail um, on uh, Friday of this week. We have a fairly... Um, The Lord's blessed us, I think, in terms of opening uh, both double the opportunity that we previously had to be at the jail. Well, I mean, infinitely uh, more than we had in the post-COVID era. But um, even before COVID, we were at once a month and we've been at twice a month. And uh, by the grace of God, I've managed to cover all those dates with a fairly small crew. But um, putting out there, again, an invitation to, if there are any uh, men who are interested in, in joining in that ministry, I think it would still be a blessing to do that. Anything in particular to report? Okay. Um, yeah, we're still sort of getting used to our, our, our second Fridays and our fourth Fridays are not in the same spot and tend to be um, just sort of wildly different clientele sometimes. So, um, i trying to think. I, I think that's all I have. Anything you'd like to add and anything from the floor? Mrs. Heidi Wilson. All right, Mr. Eduardo Guzman. I like to call. I
2: believe that she's to call. And she does any the movement. I love my mom. But she's to I am having some problems. I'm a wife's kid. Every day, every morning. and I want to say to you all, guys, God has given us and to give this I would have to remember that. I understand that most of us, when we're young, like I am, I appreciate my wife, and I know she. Just not very happy when they Talk too much, but I have to. I really do because. Jeez, so, so. Keep
1: me behind, okay? Thank you, Thank you. Mrs. Wilson. we can going to do that. Just let them know. I don't know I'm sorry. I, yes, I forgot about our for our online viewership. Uh, Mr. Guzman uh, expressed appreciation to his bride of the last couple of years, I don't know how many, but uh, to Shirley and um, urged upon all of the men in this congregation a a redoubled and proper appreciation of uh, the women who keep them from embarrassing themselves more than we do. It's not fully preventative.
2: nothing drastic, nothing drastic just a little something to let you know how much I appreciate the women visiting and the women who have been a part of our church for many years and um, I guess the, the important thing to know for Randy is that they're paleo muffins. Randy came to my dinner table one time and a gal brought dessert which was with brown rice and blueberries and he and I looked together at that dessert and uh he expressed what I was thinking. Brown rice and, and blueberries for dessert. Anyway, so paleo muffins can have that effect on some people, but maybe many of you will appreciate the fact that it's made with almond flour, honey, uh, can see, coconut oil, and eggs. And um, unfortunately, I stopped at the paleo with uh, the uh, chocolate chips. I, I had to go away the chocolate chips. Okay. So anyway.
1: Uh, For those of you watching at home and think that this job of running the mic is fun, I have just been asked to repeat Heidi's uh, recipe for paleo, but not quite paleo, muffins. Um, More importantly, I'm not going to attempt that, but uh, for those of you at home, for all the, I I believe she put it, gals in the congregation, uh, Mrs. Wilson expressed deep appreciation for you and has a little... Gift Bag, so if you are not worshipping with us this morning, no doubt you can pick it up because next week you will of course be here for our congregational conversation um, so uh, I'm sure those will be still available. I don't know what the shelf life of the muffins is, but <laughs> anyone else with announcements fantastic. Well, then, I wish you all a very beautiful lord's day and uh that's it. Yeah.